Beautiful Warriors, episode 56. Somebody who gets shit done. It's all down to hustle. A sacrifice of their being and way of life. We think of 300, we think of the Spartan. Sort of the courage and conviction to face their challenges in life. It always does the right thing at all costs. Marine Corps veteran Alex Heaton. Um, it's something that kind of requires, you know, your mind, your body, you know, and, and even uh, as much as kind of like a spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fuel for Warriors. We took a hiatus over the winter break as our production partner, Lock and Load Java, did some rebranding. Uh, they are now Alpha Coffee, a little bit more on them. Uh, but it's it's nice to be back. It's uh, technically episode 56, I believe. Uh, we released our last episode with Seku Andrews uh, back in, I want to see October. Um, and now that we're back in pace, Alpha Coffee is now up and running. Uh, we felt it was the right time to bring back Fuel for Warriors. A lot of great guests lined up uh, and even better stories uh, like we've had in the first 55 episodes. So as I mentioned, Lock and Low Java is now Alpha Coffee. They have... Uh, they've rebranded their website as alpha.coffee, uh, and it's the same great coffee. It's the same great brand, just a, a little different look on the packaging. Uh, they felt like that was the, the, the right direction for their, uh, for their business, and we're excited to, uh, to support them again and, and put out this production in, uh, in, in collaboration uh, with their efforts. If you're listening to this because you still are subscribed uh, to the podcast, I salute you. Thank you for uh, for holding out. If you are new to the show, we are available in iTunes. Just search Fuel for Warriors in your uh, in iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and I believe we're also on Google Play. Today's episode, our feature interview is going to be with Alex Heaton, a Marine Corps veteran who uh, is doing work with deported veterans. And as you'll hear me note a couple times in the interview, this is a segment of the veteran population that I really know nothing about and really hadn't even considered until I seen the work that Alex is doing. So I think it's really important uh, to hear about it. He uh, is just sort of newly getting involved, but very uh, aware, has done a lot of learning, and he's going to provide a lot of insight and information uh, to us and ways for you to get involved if that's something that interests you as well. So uh, without further ado, here's Alex Heaton. All right, Warriors, welcome to another episode of Fuel for Warriors. We're back up and going, and it's so uh, great to be doing these shows again. And on this week's show, I have a friend of mine, Mr. Alex Heaton. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks very much, Tim, for having me. When uh, when I found out that you were doing uh, work with deported veterans, I thought that that was uh, really fascinating. It was a part. It was a segment of the veteran community that I had never even thought about um, until I saw the, um, some of the work that you were doing. So I thought, what a better platform for you and I to discuss this uh, than on Fuelful Warriors. But before we get there, let's start this show where we start every episode, and let's talk about what it means to be a warrior. What does that term mean to you? Well, I think a warrior, uh, in, in my mind, is somebody that kind of focuses uh, their life uh, t- towards a certain goal, um, whether that be um, it, so, something that kind of requires, you know, your mind, your body, you know, and, and even as much not even the religious side, but kind of like a spirit um, of that you're out there to get something. And so 
you know, maybe it's, it's something that on your downtime you're, you're reading up more or, or it's just something that's truly your passion. And, and I feel like somebody that goes for that um, and truly lives it in a way that, you know, that they are constantly striving towards something is, is a warrior in that sense. Yeah. What, what from your life do you think best informs that response you just gave? Um, well, I, I mean, my, my uh, entire adult working career has been around um, the cessation of violence, whether that be um, violence due to crime, violence due to terrorism, um, violence due to an insurgency. And so, you know, for me, a lot of people um, kind of come and go because it's, you know, when you're in uniform, it's a, it's something that's cool. There's a, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of uh, support for it. But then when it's out of uniform and it's crime or when it's something that's less kind of snazzy, you have to keep yourself motivated. And that's when you find out whether or not it's your passion or whether you're doing it because it, it looks cool. And so that, that for me is kind of how what informs that idea. Sure. So um, let's get to um, uh, some of the work you're doing because it sounds like you're, you're impassioned about this. Um, tell me how you sort of became aware of the issue that that is deported veterans and maybe even provide a little background. I know you're, you're a Marine as well. Maybe provide a little background of that for the audience as well and how you got to start working with deported veterans. Sure. So, um, you know, kind of a, it's, it's not a very glamorous introduction to it. It came up on a vice article a long time ago. Um, huh. Vice, this is happening. And I was like, that's ridiculous. They're like, my first assumption is that these guys are pretending to be military so they can get more, um, so so that they can kind of elicit a response that that we generally have towards military members in need. And so I googled it, I looked into it, I was like, this is actually legit. This is a thing. And I'm an immigrant myself to the United States from Great Britain. I started the uh, I started the application process to become a citizen from Iraq. Um, and I basically got sworn in as soon as I got home off a of deployment to become a citizen. So I, I th- there's a lot there's a lot of different things tugging at me here. There's yeah. that the need to, you know, I, whenever something bad happens in this country and the citizen was born outside of the country, the first thing you hear is that there's some sort of second class citizen. You know, some sort of there, there's some sort of thing that's said. You know, this person may have been a U.S. citizen, but they were born in X or Y country. So for me, instantly, there's a little bit of defensiveness around looking out for new Americans. Um, the, the second part was, uh, you know, they're veterans. They're veterans in a bad spot. Um, coming out, you've got veterans with all sorts of different discharges. And the fact of the matter is that the VA really only looks after the ones with the really good discharges when a lot of the times the guys that need the most help from the VA are the ones with the bad paper discharges. An asterisk on that, that is more an issue at Congress um, than it is at VA. Congress has to tell us it's okay to give bad paper veterans uh, certain oh, care. Thing, it's the VA's choice to do this. I'm just saying sure. what's available. Sure. If I'm a I walk into the VA, this is what's available to me. Right. I just want to make sure listeners understand that's not VA giving the bird to uh, to, uh, to those veterans. That is uh, that's currently a congressional issue. Dr. Shulkin has actually said that he is planning on uh, offering mental health services to uh, bad paper veterans, but we'll see if uh, how that comes to fruition. Anyways, I I digress. Continue. Yeah. So that, that, that's basically it. So I, you know, we've got these uh, veterans who uh, have bad paper discharges. We've got, and they're kind of uncovered. This is already something that we've seen 
especially in homelessness, this is an issue with getting them access to homes. Um, and so this was kind of an add-on to that when I saw, like, number one, some of these guys have bad paper discharges, but number two, the majority of them don't. The majority of them have honorable discharges. Um, so I, it, there's just a whole lot of feels that go into that. You know, you've got the, the – there's one that says, you know, these guys are veterans, you got to look out for them. There's another one that says, why didn't you get your citizenship? Um, and, you know, there's another one that says, like, don't break the law. <laughs> but, you know, coming from a guy who got his citizenship through the military, it's it's a pain. I mean – you know, they lose it, which they did for me, and you got to start again. It's, uh, as anybody knows, with anything that goes through military administration, you've got to do it twice to get it done right once. There's just a lot. There's a lot of pushing and pulling. And at the end of the day, I thought, you know what? It, it's, it comes down to if you break it, you buy it. Yeah. Um, majority how, of these. How does that process work? So, like, when you, uh, like, when you went to the recruiter or whatever, like, was that like part of the was that like part of the deal or was it something that was like did you have the option to serve without becoming a citizen like how does that transaction work between you and, and the government so you you go in you say i'm not a citizen but i do have a green card they basically take this sharpie and they draw a line through the majority of the jobs and they're like <laughs> that are available to you that you do not need a clearance for um and you're like, okay, um, so that's what that's what happened to me. They here they drew out the lines through all the jobs. I think I had like bulk fuel specialist and uh, you know an infantryman. And as much as bulk fuel makes sweet T-shirts, I decided that I was going to go and be an infantryman. And at that point, I joined, and, and nobody knows any different because nobody in the infantry really gets clearances. Um, so so that, that that was where I was at. And so then you're in. And I think the deal is that in order to re-enlist, you have to become a citizen. Um, but yeah. So what? Um, so then, how did you? What was your first step into like actually engaging with these veterans? So I uh, I hit them up on Facebook. I sent them a message. I was like, hey, um, I, I want to be a part of this, and um, I didn't hear anything back. And I was like. I messaged him again. I was like, no, like for serious, I, I want to be a part of this. Um, and then I basically began a campaign of uh, Facebook stalking and harassment until he responded to me. And yeah, boom. Uh, he was just like, sorry, I've been super busy, which the guy that, that was running at the time, and he uh, he's self-taught, you know, does a lot of the stuff himself. And so he finally got back to me and, and, and that's how we kind of began the relationship. Now, um, the 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 group the organization that you're talking about is what's it exactly called again? Uh, so it's the Deported Veterans Support House. There's okay. Um, that that's the main group. There's there's actually a few different groups down there. Um, that there's kind of I think there's Veterans Without Borders. There's Veterans United. or Deported Veterans United. There's a few different organizations down there who are um, who are advocating for. I take it back. They're not so much advocating as much as they are looking out for veterans who were down there. Yeah. So then, uh, and where exact, where is that house actually located? The house, there's one in Tijuana and there's one in Juarez. It what was the second place in Juarez. Juarez. Okay. Um, so what, tell me like, um, what you, what was some of the first couple of things you learned when you were down there and engaging with these veterans? Like what, anything that like came as a surprise to you? Um, well, the first thing I learned was that, uh, the majority of the issues 
that got people kicked out could could very easily buy any person. I'm, I'm not a medical person, and I could see very clearly that this stuff was related to uh, their service. That was the big one for me. Um, we had a guy down there. He's, he's in his 70s. Um, he basically became homeless the moment that he got out of the Army um, in Vietnam and has, has basically roamed the U.S. And, and, until he got he did some time and then got booted. Um, I think that the, the, that's the big thing. It's that the majority of them have service-connected illness, and the service-connected illness is connected to whatever happened to get them deported. That's, that's probably... Number two is that all of these guys serve their time before they get kicked out. Um, everybody has to serve their time before they get deported. And I think a big thing, a big misconception is that these guys break the law on Monday and then on Wednesday it's like, all right, get out of the country. You broke the law. You don't deserve to be here. Um, so they've already paid their debt to society. In that Wait, sense. So, you, so you're telling me they get arrested, convicted, they serve time in an American prison, and then they get deported? Oh, yes. That's it. They serve all of their time, and then they go. Wow. Huh. I would have... I, I would have been on, I would have assumed the, the, the former that you mentioned, that right. that on conviction they would then get deported in lieu of serving time in our prison. Yeah, no, they, they, they do both. That, not that I want anybody deported, but that makes, that it sounds ass backwards to me. Right. Um, Very expensive. Yeah. So, I know that, I'm sure that so many circumstances, wait, I, mean, I guess you kind of answered that, but um, what's a... Uh, like, do they have any fighting? Like, does their service not help them at all? Like, is it a cut? And, is it? Are the judges required by law to deport them, or is that still a decision that's being made by the court? So basically, it's it, Bill Clinton changed the law that said uh, now if you do anything that rates more than a year in lockup, when you're done, you get put on an immigration hold, and the immigration hold is basically where. You get picked up, you get taken to a de- detention facility, um, at which point you have to start fighting your case. Now, some people, a very few people, get released. However, every time you appeal, you go to the back of a very long line, and you're basically agreeing to serve an extra year in this detention on top of your original sentence just so you can fight to stay in the country. So really what it comes down to is you're fighting to stay in lockup. Um and the majority of these people have families, and they're like, this is ridiculous. I will just forfeit my residency and go back across to whatever country I came from, at which point, you know, then we'll try and deal with seeing my family from there. So what um, what do you see as some necessary um, first steps by our legal system, our military, or whatever needs to, like, make this first fix on – uh, on being able to make it – on protecting people that have served our country and actually getting them the help they need here in in repayment of that um, versus locking them up and then sending them uh, back to where they came from. Well, yeah. I mean the, the president has the authority to say, you know, stop kicking these people out of the country. We, we've seen it the other way around where the president has the authority to say who enters the country – he also has the authority to say who does not get kicked out. So the, the easiest thing that could be done would be an executive order. 
from the office of the president saying, if you are a veteran, you cannot get kicked out of the country. That would be the, the most simple uh, the fix. Um, I saw, um, are there any veteran service organizations that provide any resources for, like, and we just mentioned how the VA is sort of twisted in, you know, Congress and government on what, what they can and can't do is, are there any VSOs that you're familiar with other, like maybe one similar to what you're working with that, that do offer counseling, mental health services, whatever it's that way. If someone does identify a veteran that is in trouble, could get deported, like it doesn't have their their green card or the, doesn't have their citizenship, but and can connect them. Like, do you know any resources like that? Yeah, so there's a, a that's kind of being done a little, like very much piecemeal within the detention facilities um, by a couple Catholic organizations. When it comes to like actual veteran service organizations, uh, the majority of them actually have written into their charter for some reason that they can only serve the interests of American citizens, which I, I actually found fascinating when I discovered that because 5% of the military at any given time are not American citizens. Um, is that right? 5%, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's 5%. Do you know what, um, do you know what that percentage is specifically for the Marine Corps? Uh, no, I don't. I okay. don't. I that generally at any given time it's it's around so there's none there's no vsos that are actively serving um this there's the american gi forum um which is a majority latino uh veteran service organization uh that does a lot of civil rights work um they are a pretty awesome organization that i've had some contact with their dc chapter and they're pretty fired up about about making something happen with this. Um, but when it comes to kind of the old guard, they're very much staying away from it. Yeah. What can um, – is there anything that, like, the average person can do? Like, I, like you know, if anybody's listening, like, God, that's horrible. Like, I, like, I wonder if I can do anything. Uh, I mean, do you have any suggestions there? Yeah, so um, there's a bill out right now called uh, H.R. 1405, and it is the uh, – let me try to remember it right. It's the Veterans Visa and Protection Act, which basically says exactly that. Number one, stop deporting veterans. Number two, allow veterans to uh, come back home who have been deported. And those are the two big kind of staple items that, that it sits on. Um, and so basically this is kind of old fashioned, you know, you call up your member of Congress, um, and tell them to support that. Um, the bill's got about 38 co-sponsors on it right now from Congress. And obviously that's a whole lot less than 430 something members of Congress. Uh, yeah. so I, the more people that call and, and kind of start kicking up a fuss, I, I think the better chances this has of getting something done. I will call Don Byers office tomorrow. Thank you very much. I and, appreciate. It. Yeah, um, and he's pretty good, so or good in his response. So I expect uh, his office to know where he stands on that. Um, he gets reelected, so I'm assuming he says I'm on board for everything, no matter who what you're calling about. <laughs> like, how do you feel about the clone baby seals? We want more of it. We're, I'm trying to get the the house behind. No, that's horrible. But um, <laughs> Alex. Um, 
segueing into into the the, the last couple uh, questions. Um, and uh, you're 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 a veteran. Um, I know that you dealt with some uh, some of the some of the challenges that a lot of veterans do when they transition out. You went to school. You just got uh, kind of shafted by the budgets uh, that was proposed by our government, and that uh, you lost your uh, or at least the position you had in the government was no longer being funded. Uh, you are no stranger to uh, simple and complex life challenges. What are, what's a current challenge that you have going on right now, uh, either personally or professionally, in your choice? Uh, and what are you doing to better overcome it? Um, well, yeah, I, I guess my uh, this this issue is, has become my my personal challenge. Um, I started a, a veteran organization of my own called the Veteran Action Coordinating Committee, and, and I'm trying to you know make this as as bipartisan as possible, um, which I am. Uh, I am learning how to be diplomatic. <laughs> um, that is my struggle. That is my personal struggle: is being diplomatic to people whose views um, make you feel physically ill. <laughs> um, and so, coming out of an environment like the Marine Corps, where you did not have to be diplomatic, um, and where generally the, the less diplomacy you use in getting a point across, the better. Um, now that I'm trying, that I'm starting to dip my toe into into this sort of politics. It, it is a struggle that I continue to face and um, generally continue to learn uh, on how to, how to do it more. And so, what what then? What ultimately inspires you? What what makes overcoming those challenges and and be, trying to become more diplomatic and stuff? What what inspires you to do that? What inspires me to do that is I spoke to my member of Congress. My member of Congress was uh, uh, Representative Bobby Rush and. Um, the office was was really awesome about it. They said, "Yeah, this is something that that we also agree with. Thank you for letting us know. We're gonna mention it to the member of Congress and see if he he wants to co-sponsor it." And they eventually did. And for me, that that was a uh, whether or not you know they 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 were already planning on doing this or they thought it was a gimme. I thought it was awesome. Um, it made me feel uh, at a time when when there's not a lot of faith in the workings of the government. It was like, well, this you know, I I called my a member and he he did something I asked him to. This feels really cool, um, and so that can that motivates me and that kind of gives me strength to continue this uh, uh, journey into adulthood slash learning how to be dip- diplomatic. Yeah, wonderful. So one last plug: if uh, if anybody hears this and they're like, "Man, I want to reach out to Alex, see see how he can connect me with what I want." How, is there any way people can reach out to you to get connected for this stuff? Uh, yeah, so you can uh, – there's my email address. It's uh, alex at veteranactioncc.org, or you can just look on our uh, our Facebook page, um, and uh, feel free to reach out to me through there. All right, wonderful. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. It was a, it was, I'm, I'm enlightened. Like I learned so much about uh, deported veterans, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about this because I, I saw you doing the work, and I had uh, – you know, it's unfortunately it's a segment of the veteran population that I know nothing about. Um, and so I'm glad that uh, good people like you are doing work to, to not only help those veterans, but, you know, enlighten other people on what's going on. Well, Tim, thanks a lot for giving me the soapbox, and uh, more than happy whenever you want me to speak to, to talk about it. Some-